Well, it's one of the most famous verses in the Bible, I think. At least those first three words. I know somewhere in the Bible it says, do not judge. And um, I think it'll be interesting to take a closer look at exactly what Jesus was teaching here. We often want to put a period at the end of the word judge and not read the rest of what Jesus says. But what Jesus says is very valuable in terms of helping us with our not only perspective of God, but really teaches us a lot about how we are to interact with one another as the people of God, interact in our relationships and marriages and family and things like that. Uh, This passage is is really quite helpful in, in a very practical way regarding that dynamic. It's especially useful to consider this paragraph since probably in our culture today, the one of the greatest crimes you could commit is to judge another person. And so to look at what Jesus is talking about, how he expresses this, and trying to get a good sense of what does this really look like in our lives uh, can be really helpful then in understanding what Jesus wants us to grasp. You'll notice in the first two verses of Matthew chapter 7 that he gives really quite an explanation about why this is supposed to look this way. Why should we not judge others? And you'll notice in verse 1 as well as in verse 2, he gives a, a fairly chilling picture because he says, if you judge other people, then the way you judge them is the way God is going to judge you. I want you to think about that idea for a minute. The way you look at and pass judgment on other people is the way that God is going to look at you and judge you. Now, that can be a little bit scary. Do you want to be judged the way you judge other people? Do you want God to pass that kind of judgment on you? And when you think about how we often can look at people and judge people, uh, especially in our world today, which is just filled with such superficial judgments, it becomes something to be keenly aware of. Do you want God to judge you based on your looks? Do you want God judge to uh, judge you based on how you talk or where you're from or who your parents are or what your upbringing was like or what your background is? Do you want God to judge you in that way? Immediately, it should come to our hearts when we look at other people and pass superficial judgments. God is saying, all right, I can do that, too. I can do that to you, too. If that's the way you want to function in life, I can do that to you. I'll pass judgments on you based that way. And so I think it's important for us to think about if God is going to judge you, How do you want him to do that? If you're going to stand before God and there's going to be a judgment that has to be given, how would you want God to judge you? I would suppose it doesn't take long for the word mercy to run to the mind. (laughs) It doesn't take long to go, I would like some mercy here. And that is what God is wanting us to recognize. Even James says that in James chapter 2 and in verse 12. Speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment without mercy to the, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. Think about that. 
You're going to be judged without mercy if you judge other people without mercy. What Jesus is doing here is a very serious picture that's given to us. Don't use superficial measurements. That's what verse 2 is getting at. Don't use things the way that you look at other people and judge other people. God is going to do that back toward you. And we have such a tendency to use those superficial metrics and to use things that should be completely irrelevant to us as the basis by which we will judge other people. And God goes, I can play that game. Uh, If that's the way you want to operate then that's not going to work out very well for us. What should immediately be pressing into our hearts and in our minds is if I want God's mercy, then I better have an awful lot of mercy toward other people. That when I look at other people, I need to be filled with mercy and compassion and not passing superficial judgments upon them because that's not the measure that any of us want to have. There's nobody that's going to raise their hand and say, I love superficial measurements that people do on me. I just enjoy that. I really, I'm really looking forward to God doing that. Love it when other people do it. You know, he's telling us something. You don't like that. Why are you doing it to other people? And you really don't want God to do that. You really don't want God to do that. The one thing you want God to do is to exercise mercy. And if we want that mercy, then we need to do the same to other people. Now, that's what he goes about exploring in verses 3 through 5 as he really kind of zeroes in on asking the question, notice what you are looking at. Verse 3, why do you look at the splinter that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the beam of wood that is in your own eye? Jesus knows how to be funny. That's supposed to be a a humorous picture. The word splinter is about the smallest piece of wood you can think of. It is just like teeniest little bit. And the beam or log or whatever translation you have is a piece of wood that is used for building a house. So it is a monstrous contrast of here is this little splinter, little thing you can barely see of wood versus this enormous beam And he says, now here you are, and you have this beam out your eye, and you're paying attention to the splinter that is in somebody else's eye. And the thing that I think is fascinating about what Jesus does with this is he is observing with us that we have the amazing ability to overlook all of our own flaws and sins, but see everybody else's. We're amazing at it. We can see everybody's problems. That person's got a problem and they've got issues and they've got sins and they've got flaws and they've got faults. I don't have any flaws or faults, obviously. You know, we, we just quickly overlook ours. We, we won't say much about ourselves, but we can sure see it in everybody else's. And I want you to notice the wording that he says there in verse five. First word of verse five, Jesus uses this word an awful lot. It's a word that we don't like, especially to be called it. But he says, guess what? When we are doing that, we're hypocrites. If you're looking at other people and pointing out all of their sins, flaws, issues, and problems, and you don't see your own, he says, hypocrites, why are you doing that? 
How can you possibly be looking at other people and not see your own? And that's the the first picture that he's giving us here when he says there in verse four, how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Awesome picture. (laughs) You imagine you go into the doctor because you have something lodged in your eye and he comes to you with a beam of wood hanging out his eye and says, yeah, I'll get on that. Just give me a minute. He'd say, "Uh, no, thank you. And we find somebody who can see clearly. That's the picture he gives in verse four. That's what he's saying right there is, how can you possibly be looking at other people and trying to inspect their eye when you're overlooking the clear flaws and sins and issues in your own life? How can you possibly do that? How can you think that you see clearly? You don't see clearly. And what I hope that we will do is sometimes what we do is this kind of real fake thing. So here's our, here's our fake way of doing this. I know I have problems, but, right, that's our fake way we do this. You know, I've got issues, but that person, my, oh my. That's what we do. And we act like we're applying this verse. I see my problems, but that person... I see my sins, but that person, I see my issues, but that person, but we're not really seeing our issues at all. We're doing the very thing Jesus said not to do. We're quickly overlooking and passing by, or if you will, showing mercy to ourselves of our sins and then passing judgment on somebody else. And Jesus says, hypocrite, you're not being even. How can you possibly overlook the things you have? And go around fault finding everybody else. It is an important warning that he is giving here. And I think it's important to think about this in in how we deal with our relationships. How many times do we wreck relationships? Because this is the very thing we're doing. You think about it in, in... Marriage. I know I'm not perfect, but you won't believe what my spouse does. You know, that's, we, we like that. And think about it in marriage. You want your spouse to show you mercy, but you don't want to show it back. You want them to be merciful toward you and your issues, but you don't want to do that back toward them. Or how about family relationships here on a family day how often do we do that in family relationships where i want my family members to be merciful to me but i'm not going to be the same way back i'm going to point out all their flaws all their sins all their issues all their problems but i don't want them to do that with me or how many friendships do we blow up doing the very same thing where i can point out all of their things but I don't want them to do that back to me. I'm going to be the bearer of bad news on this family day. People have to put up with you too. Yeah. We want to think that our, you know, our issues are just microscopic and everybody else, you know, we, we have to deal with so much from everybody else, but you know, I'm just so easy to live with. I'm a peach, you know, I just, I barely, you know, move the needle of difficulty. We need to understand that People are being merciful and putting up with us too. In your marriage, in your family, in the workplace, with your friends, in the church. 
Everybody's got issues. And everybody's putting up with each other. You're all dealing with me. We all have stuff. And to understand that there's supposed to be this conveyance of mercy toward one another. That, yeah, it's really easy to point out all the flaws, all the sins, all the problems, all the issues, all the stuff. And just go, oh, yeah, they're just so terrible. Yeah, well, so am I. I got sins and flaws and issues and problems, too. So what am I doing pointing out everybody else's? As if I'm so easy to deal with. He's giving us such an important picture of what this is supposed to look like. And friends, the more we read the scriptures, doesn't it become more evident about all the issues and flaws and sins that we have? (laughs) The more I get into the word, the more I see I'm a mess. The deeper I go and do it, the deeper I go, man, I have got problems. I, I am nowhere near what God wants me to be. The people of God should be the first to raise their hand and say that. We should all the more be aware of our shortcomings before our Heavenly Father. It's such an important reminder to us that, that Jesus is giving here when he says, you have a beam of wood in your own eye. You have sins, you have issues, you have flaws, you have problems. But I want you to notice what Jesus says here that I think is really important. The picture that he gives in verse five is not since we all have problems and sins and flaws and issues. We all just won't talk about it. We'll all just pretend we'll all just put our head in the sand And we'll all just tell everybody we're all a mess. It's all good. That's not what he says. I want you to notice that he gives a picture here. He tells us in verse five as a summary, you need to pay attention to your own sins so that you can help out others. Notice that's what verse five is. Take the beam of wood out of your eye and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Two really important statements, two really important truths are happening here. One, if any time we are passing judgment, it should first cause us to see our own beams of wood. The moment I see, well, this person's doing a sin, it should hit me and go, yeah, but I do too. You know, that person's got a real anger problem. Yeah, but what about me? You know, that person is doing something that's not godly. Yeah, but what about me? The first thing Jesus is saying here is when you see these things in others, it should immediately come back on ourselves and cause us to think about where are we in that? Do we have the same problem? And don't go, yeah, I've got problems. No, to be honest and real about it. And notice he doesn't say in verse 5, Just acknowledge that you have the same issue. Did you see what he said? He says, you need to see it and deal with it. You know, that's the thing we like to do. Yeah, I know I've got my problems, but you need to fix yours. He says, actually, you need to deal with your sins. You need to deal with what you've done. And only then can you see clearly. There's a phrase that really struck me there in verse 5 is that phrase. Then you will see clearly. You know what I like to think? 
before I take out the beam of wood is that I see clearly. I see everybody clearly. I see you clearly. I see this world clearly. I see people in my life clearly. I see relationships clearly. And I want you to hear Jesus because he's saying, no, you don't. No, you don't. Not until you've looked at your own beam of wood. Not until you've addressed your own wood that's in your eye. And you've begun the surgery process of getting it out of your eye. Are you able to see clearly? I think that's such an important thing. It's easy to skip over that and see Jesus is saying, you need to look at yourself. And the moment you're ready to point a finger at somebody, first step, you better think about yourself. You need to look at yourself about this. Do I have the same sin? Do I have the same weakness? Do I have the same flaw? Am I doing the same thing? Am I giving myself a pass when I should be addressing my own things? First thing he wants you to do. Notice the second thing in verse five, though. Not only does he say, take it out of your own eye that you can see clearly. But what are you supposed to do after you've taken it out of your own eye? Help the other person. Then you will see clearly to help them with that splinter that's in their eye. Now, I think this is really important. Here is a picture that Jesus is giving that the purpose of judgment is not to ruin somebody. The goal is not to destroy them or perhaps the way we do it most to make ourselves feel better by elevating ourselves. They're so terrible. I'm so amazing. Level the playing field. Look at me. I'm doing great. That's not the point. He says that's sinful judgment. What's supposed to happen is, one, you look at yourself, deal with it in your own eye. Then, two, you go to the person and you don't go to them with, nah, nah, I see you have a sin and a problem. But you go to them to help. You're going to to assist them. That's the call that's being given to us here, that we would go and try to help them, to try to help assist them in that moment. And so I think that's an important thing to catch is you can't put the period after the first three words of verse one. He's actually saying, I want you to practice these judgments in a right way. Don't do it superficially. That's wrong. Don't do it and then make all of the mistakes that we so often want to make when it comes to judgment. If you see their sin, if you see their weakness, then only after you have dealt with your own sins, capital letters, only after you have seen it in yourself and are dealing with it, you can now pass judgment. And number two, only if you're coming to help. Only if you're coming to help. That's the imagery he gives here. Now, if you think about that idea for a minute... I don't mind you passing judgment on me if you're coming to help me. I don't mind you seeing the sins and the flaws and the issues if you're coming to help me. We do that in life all the time. We understand that. I was having that yesterday, having to put in a a new dishwasher since our old one was flooding the floor repeatedly and thought, that's not good. need a new dishwasher, but I don't know what I'm doing. Thankfully, my father-in-law is a contractor. He knows what he's doing. 
And I'm down there trying to do stuff. And he doesn't sit there and go, yeah, you don't know what you're doing. That's okay. That's great. Now he's got to pass judgment. You don't know what you're doing. You need to do. You know what? I'm okay with that because I need the help. Please. If you're coming to help. But don't sit at the dining room and say, you're terrible. You don't know what you're doing. (laughs) I don't want that judgment. I know I'm terrible. Assist me. Show me. Help me. That's what Jesus is describing right here. See your own flaw, which will keep you from being judgmental and go and help that person and show them how you can be of assistance to them. That's the picture that's happening right here. That's the important imagery of what he means by do not judge. Now, let me bring in verse six, because often people don't know what to do with verse six. Do you put it with the prior paragraph or the paragraph after we got pigs and dogs and all of a sudden we just seem like we've gone off the rails about what we're talking about here. But but verse six fits in very well. Do not give what is holy to the dogs or toss your pearls before the pigs or they will trample them underfoot, turn and tear you to pieces. Please remember, different culture, different time. Dogs and pigs are filthy outsiders and disgusting. They're not your little cute puppy dog that you have at home. Don't think of it like that. You've got to think of it in terms of gross and abominable. That's what is being used here. So he says, don't take what is holy and give them to the dogs. Don't take the pearls and put them on the pigs. And here's the reason why. Because they're going to turn and trample you and destroy you. Now, I want you to think about what he's saying there in verse 6, because notice he's actually telling you to make a judgment right there. You're going to have to make a judgment on if you are giving what is holy to dogs or giving pearls to pigs. He's asking you to make a judgment right here. You're going to have to make a determination about how you go about helping others. But the message of verse 6 is really so important. And here's the message. Your help can only go so far. Your help can only go so far. You can do everything that the first five verses are saying. Not judge superficially. Acknowledge your own sin and work on that sin and come to another person with that sin with every intent, desire, and motivation to help, to assist, and give. And there's some people that are going to receive that help and there's some people who are going to tear you up for trying It fits perfectly with this paragraph. There are some people who are going to be absolutely grateful. Thank you for helping me. And there's going to be some people who are going to destroy you for trying to come to them and help their lives. That's what he's describing here. And I think it's such an important picture for us to to take in mind is that not everybody's going to receive that help the way we're trying to give it to them. And you've probably experienced something like that. I've experienced something like that, that you've gone to legitimately help somebody and you ended up with five knives in your back in the process. 
That's what he's talking about. You are going to have to make a discernment at some point. Are they receiving my help? I've done what Jesus wants me to do with my self-evaluation. I'm not doing this superficially. I am acknowledging my sin. I'm not holier than thou. I'm not being judgmental. I see my sin and I just want to help you. And some people are going to blow you up for that. And as you try to help, you're going to have to determine, am I helping this person and they're receiving it? Or are they going to turn around and tear me to pieces? That's what he's warning about. Sometimes in all of our good efforts and good motives and help, they're going to hurt you back in the process. It can make you not want to help people anymore. It can make you not want to help people anymore. It can make you want to give up, say, fine, whatever. I'm not going to help the next person because I know how that's going to go. I'm just going to get blown up. Did say not do that? But your help can only go so far. There's a time where you're going to have to say, I've tried to help you. You're not seeing it and receiving it as help. And I've tried to do that in the best way possible. And you have to let them go their way. You have to let them go their way. Your help can only go so far. I used to think in my youthful exuberance at this job that if I could just apply enough help and heart to people, I could solve everybody. And after one million knives in my back, I get, okay, that's not going to work. And I can help, but I, I only can do so much. The other person has to want to change. The other person has to want to see and to want to make a difference in changing their lives. And we are called upon to come alongside them and help them in that process. But Jesus is saying that's not always going to be enough. It's not always going to be enough. Now, you'll have to make those determinations sometimes and say, you've got to go your own way with that. I've tried to help. So let's pull all this together and we talk about this. Number one, pictures about what Jesus is giving to us. Number one, before we judge others, ask yourself if you want to be judged that way. That's verse one. Do you want to be judged that way? And so you think about how often we can be judgmental. It should make us slower to judge. It should cause us to be far more merciful in judgment. And just remember that if you are blowing up another person for what they've done, God says, I can do that too. That's verse two. How you come to people, the measure you use, God says, I will use that too. So come to people in the right way. Do not judge in a way that you would not also want to be judged. If we want mercy and compassion from God, then we first must show mercy and compassion to others in every relationship here to everybody in the room, in your marriage, in your family, in your friends, on the job. If you want that kind of mercy and compassion, you must show that to others. Number two, before we judge Look at ourselves. Really ask ourselves and be honest and use the word of verse five. Are we being hypocrites? Are we being hypocrites? 
I must be willing to consider my own sins and consider my own problems. And so, friends, before we open our mouths about a sin, an issue, a problem, a flaw, we need to first look at ourselves. And I submit to you, it will help us from ever being judgmental if we will always first stop and look at self. Okay, I see a sin, but before I do something, let me just take inventory here on myself. I see a flaw, but before I do, what about me? Really can put an end to judgmental thinking very quickly if we would put ourselves in the same shoes. Number three, go to the person because you want to help. Go to the person because you want to help. Now that also takes some inventory of ourselves. Am I really wanting to help or I'm just wanting to, you know, glory in myself and dance around about how terrible they are and how great I am? Because that's often what we do. You know, I'm really here to help. But then inside, what you're really doing is gloating. Don't do that. Are you really coming to help? You want to see that person's soul in eternity and you know you need to help and you want to come alongside that person and help that's what jesus is picturing number four you can't help somebody that doesn't want help i'm glad jesus told me that two thousand years ago i needed a reminder of that you can't help people who don't want the help And you can go to them with all the right intentions. And you can go to them the way God has called you to go to them. But you cannot help somebody that does not want to receive that help. He says they will turn, trample you under their feet, tear you in pieces. I don't know that I probably anybody raised their hand and say that's never happened to me. I would suppose it's happened to us all. Or we've tried to do our best. And that's come around as the result. Let me end with this one singular point to how all four of these tie together with what Jesus is saying. Doesn't this paragraph tell us and imply to us strongly that that means we have to be joined together as a family to do this? There has to be relationship with each other for this to happen. Otherwise, I'm going to perceive everything you do as an attack. Because I don't know you, I'm not connected to you, I don't see you as a safe person, I don't know that you want to help me, you're just somebody that I talk to for five minutes once a week. Well, that's not a relationship. There has to be the building of relationship for this to be able to happen. Not only so that we will see each other as safe and understand the help and assistance, but I'm not going to be able to see the speck. We hide specs great for an hour, right? None of us have specs. We're doing great. You know, for one hour, you can fake it. There has to be a willingness to get to know one another, to open up to one another, to spend time with one another, or to, if I'm going to be mean, you can't just come here, sit in the pew, say amen, and walk out. You can't. We can't have a relationship that Jesus is talking about here if that's all you do. You can't. You can't help me. I can't help you. 
We have to develop this kind of relationship. And I hope that as we've gone through this, you will understand then the shepherds of the church are going to have to do these things too. That is their responsibility if they see a problem to not just go, okay, I don't see a problem. But that it is absolutely our goal to come to you to help you. We are here to help. The hope of this church here is to help you in your walk with God, to help you get on the right track. Our goal is not to ruin you, not to wreck you, not to destroy you, but our goal for you is eternity. And we want to see you on that path. And we want to help you in every way that we can to accomplish that. And as the people of God together, as a family, that is exactly what Jesus wants us to do. We're looking to one another, not in a superficial way, but really, truly seeing. How can I help you? How can you help me? So that we can all be together in eternity together. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, where can we begin but except to ask for forgiveness for how often we judge in improper ways? Lord, forgive us for making superficial judgments that we do about people that we ought not to make. Lord, forgive us for how we can be harsh and absolutely merciless toward other people while overlooking our own same flaws, sins, and weaknesses. Lord, forgive us for expecting more out of others than we expect of ourselves. And Lord, I pray that you would help all of us use righteous judgment. Lord, help us to see our own sins. Help us to see our flaws. Help us to see our weaknesses and failures. Help us to see them clearly. Because Lord, we want to be with you. We want to be forgiven. We want your mercy. Help us to see all of our shortcomings, Lord. And then, Lord, give us the ability and the wisdom, the courage to be able to help others in an appropriate way. Lord, we pray that we could be better encouragers. We could be better supporters. We could be people who truly come alongside one another and help people get over the sins that they are stuck in. And so, Lord, we pray that we could be useful to you in that way. Help us to be those instruments. And Lord, help us to have the wisdom to see when our help is useful and when we need to stop. Lord, that can be so hard to see. And so help us to see it clearly when we need to continue and help and when it's time to help someone else. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your continued long-suffering, amazing patience and how you deal with us in such an amazing way even though we have so many sins, so many flaws, make so many mistakes. Lord, we pray for forgiveness for our own sins and we pray that we could be the people of God, the family that you want us to be here in this community. 
Help us to strengthen one another, to grow together, and serve each other and serve you in the way that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing an invitation song, and we invite you to come to Jesus. And I hope that you will consider your life just as Jesus has asked you to. Where are you with God? Where is your relationship? Do you need to see the beam of wood that is in your own eye and make it right with God today before it is too late? To make a decision, I need to stop serving self, stop the life of sin, and serve my God and follow him faithfully with all of my heart. Believe in him, confess him to be the son of God, the king who died for your sins. If you have not been immersed to water for the forgiveness of your sins, make that happen today. Can we help you in any way? You can let us know afterward or you can come forward while we stand and while we sing.